Hello, and welcome to the Colts Cover 2 podcast. I'm Joel A. Erickson. I'm joined, as always, by Nate Atkins. Um, this can be kind of a difficult podcast, Nate. Uh, yeah. Difficult, not necessarily in a sort of tragic meaning of difficult, but just just a, a hard hard waters to navigate as this week. Um, big, big Colts news broke with the, the revelation that Isaiah Rogers is the subject of a gambling investigation. Um, We've already seen that the NFL is not going to mess around with this. Um, Calvin Ridley was suspended for a year for betting on the NFL. Uh, several Lions players and and the Washington player were um, set, were suspended for a year. And most of those players were released by the original team. I think the only two that are still there are Jamison Williams, who was suspended six games for betting on a different sport from the Lions facility. And I, I didn't, I couldn't find anything that said Shaka Tony has been released by Washington um, yet. Um, but it's tough. This is, it is it's a tough subject to talk about. Um, I'm going to start by saying this. I actually kind of think the NFL's gambling policy is pretty permissive um, for yeah. players. If you're looking at it, I know you can't not betting from the team facility kind of seems arbitrary and weird. Um, but you can bet on any sport except the NFL, basically. Right. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. And, and yeah, it's a situation where like with Jamison Williams, if he had placed his bet at his house, at, at a bar, at a park, at anywhere other than that, you know, at, at a team facility he wouldn't get suspended at all uh so they do give some leeway i think the part that they could i would be surprised the nfl ends up kind of reshaping it to be more strict because just to make it just to make it almost more clear is that there's just enough ambiguity out there that at least like it, it lets players kind of decide what risks they want to take with this and there there's a few kind of weird nuances to it like you know, they, they also can't place bets in team other team settings. So like at the airport leaving for a game, you can't do it there either. Stuff like that. If they're they're riding somewhere as a team, I, I don't know if even like they're like the Colts went on a bowling trip as a team recently. I don't know if that would count uh, for that. Uh, but that would team business, I would think. Team yeah. business. So, yeah. So there is a little bit of like that. I think, though, where the NFL is going to fall down on this, though, is with, you know, if a player has a as an out like that, where like with Jameson Williams, I mean, they did outline that you can't that's from a team facility. That's a little bit more black and white. There may be a sliding scale as far as how harsh they are on that player. Um, is there a possibility he didn't quite know the rules? They had people in the building this week for the Colts explaining this to players. There could be a little ambiguity with it. The pro, like it just kind of depends on the level they go to. And we have to see what the investigation ultimately says with Isaiah. Um, what's been reported out there from Sports Handle, who broke the story, and uh, ESPN got a lot of these details too, is that he was placing a lot of bets, uh, like a, a just large, large number of small bets. Uh, so, you know, I think it's set up to up to 100 bets that he was making. So that's where it's like it's if that's what it ultimately comes out of it. That I think that's where, you know, that, that's where the punishments could get even more severe because. At some point, you get to a point where it, you know, players have to show, are they trying to follow the rules? Are they trying to gamble, but maybe they slipped up somewhere along the line, you know, and trying to gamble within the rules, but they slipped up? Or are they just 
trying to not get caught. And that's what the investigations go look at with with Isaiah Rogers. And if it's that, you know, if it's that rampant, that's where I think the the punishment could be a lot more severe. But we have to we have to ultimately see just how many of those details were kind of what he actually did. Especially if it's on a especially, you know, the, the reporting was that he bet on NFL games, including Colts games. Again, we don't, we don't have that verified necessarily. Um, but that's that's pretty serious. I, I think the reason I started where I did is just in terms of the NFL's policy being permissive, like, for example, I know that if you work in NCAA sports, you are not allowed to gamble on any sport uh, at any level if that sport uh, is governed by the NCAA in any form. So if the NCAA – so just to sort of explain that better, there's obviously college football. That means you cannot bet on the NFL. You can't bet on uh, XFL. You can't bet on any version of football anywhere in the world. And if you think about how many different sports there are that are governed by the NCAA in one form or the other, it really limits it, you know, in terms of of what people can bet on. Like you cannot bet on the Premier League because there is NCAA men's soccer. You can't bet on um, I'm trying to think of another good well, like, um, hockey is a pretty, like, small NCAA sport, but it's there. And so you can't bet on the NHL. You can't bet on any of that stuff. Um, it, 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 it really, like, comes down to, like, I think horse racing is, like, the only thing that, that anyone can bet on. If Probably you're, auto racing. Yeah, if you're, at, if you're at the NCAA level. So, like, with considering that, like, the NFL could have been much more strict with their policy. And I don't know if that was negotiated by the NFLPA. I don't know about all the ins and outs of what went into that. But there's a lot of different things that someone could bet on. You could bet on the NBA. You could bet on MLB. You could place bets on soccer. You could do all that stuff as long as you don't do it at the team facility. Um, and what's crazy mind, is, like, if he, if he placed – if a player were to place 100 bets on the NBA from his house – there's nothing wrong with it in the NFL's yeah. eyes. So you're right. There is leeway to it. And that's why it's just interesting to hear because because they have people in the building explain this to Colts players this week. That was already planned. So it's sort of that's what they've said. So it sounds just coincidental that this has come to the forefront. But it's very present in their eyes. It's kind of kind of creates a lesson for the Colts that they can kind of see and react to in their own locker room. But the takeaway I got from some of the players we talked to yesterday, like, EJ Speed, Kylan Grants, and Zach Moss was just like, for a lot of them, it's just as simple as like, just don't gamble. Like they, they don't want to get into deciphering some of that. Like, you know, is, is a bowling event a team function is, you know, you, you think it's in some levels, it's kind of simple. If you just take the NFL part out of it, you can bet on other sports away from this stuff. But some of them just, you know, we know that gambling can be a compulsion. You know, it can be some of it's like they if they want to go down that rabbit hole, these guys have the money, you know, obviously to do it. And some of them have a lot of knowledge on, on other sports to do it. It's like it can become a it can become a dangerous thing for them the same way it's a dangerous thing for for anyone in society. So uh, that's where, like, for some of them, the line is just as simple as like, just just don't bet at all. It's not worth it. It's and you think about it in that sense. Uh, you absolutely understand where they're coming from. A guy like take a guy like Zach Moss, who's in a contract year. Uh, EJ Speed, I think he he's on a one-year deal here. It's kind of immaterial, but the point is like they'll make more money by 
following NFL rules, not getting in trouble, being good at the jobs of football players. Like there's the amount of money you can make doing this. Just an example, like Rocky Sin, what we just knew, you know, just he got traded a year ago to the Raiders. Then he was in a contract year and um, he's you know, a starting NFL cornerback. He just signed for one year and six million dollars with the Ravens. Like that is way more money than you'll ever get gambling in any form, um, you know, in terms of the profit you would make from it. So to them, like the risk of losing out on that, and especially if you get to a point where teams, you know, they don't want to, they're scared of signing you because there's now a risk attached uh, based on you being suspended before. Like they're for a lot of them, it just isn't worth it at all. I think that's a smart approach. It's also easy for me to say because I don't gamble. So um, maybe I don't see it through that the same lens, but I just think that's where a lot of players are going to come down on it. It's like they just have to remove uh, to, to save themselves and to, to get rid out of the ambiguity. They just have to draw that line to where like we're not going to gamble at all because ultimately you're what you're doing is in some form or fashion gambling on your own future in this league. And I think this is going to be a moment could be for Isaiah. It is for for some of these Lions players you mentioned. It's a moment where some guys people are going to learn like. This can be really quickly taken away. This league is really hard to stick in, and it's it's a privileged place. And uh, yeah, and this is just one of those moments that shows you kind of the risk of it all. Yeah, I I think you know I I also am not um I think longtime members of the pod longtime listeners of the podcast will remember this but when uh, Jim Maiello was with my co-host. Um, that I'm also not a gambler and sort of um, honestly probably dumber about gambling than I should be as a sports reporter. Um, like I understand uh, overs and unders and stuff like that as long as it's in clear points. But sometimes I have trouble with like hundreds and two hundreds and all that stuff. Um, I, I don't gamble because I could always see the way it could go wrong on me, but I know a lot of people who do um, and do it, you know, responsibly. And, and it's, it's really fun for them and they have different strategies or whatever to make sure that they're, they're fine. Um, you know, uh, yeah, no, that's it, a good it way. To, it is fun to live vicariously. It. it is fun to live vicariously through, through my friends who do that. Like I, it is fun to text someone before a big game I'm just watching at home and say, hey, what's what what do you what do you got riding on this one? Like give me give me something to root for. That that is kind of fun. Um and I think that I, I don't want like it was interesting that they all said just don't gamble at all. Because, you know, like I said, under the NFL policy, if you're doing it from home, uh, or not even from home, if you just do it anywhere other than the Colts facility, uh, you could bet on the NBA finals. You can bet on um Reds Dodgers today or, or do a parlay with with Reds Dodgers and Brewers Orioles and um you know whatever other game you want to do like there's 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 just a lot available yeah I in I I'm with you too like I I wasn't trying to you know I I know plenty of friends who gamble responsibly have a fun time with it I personally I don't do it per, partly because I never felt like I had money to throw around in that way and uh also because you know, I have a very addictive personality, and so I'm scared of what that would be like with gambling. But it's kind of where I'm getting at with players, though, is that like these are some of them may have that, and some of them are also just like they're they're wired very competitively, and that like it, it, 
it just it's a test in discipline and 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 kind of what you're talking about is like yeah they could they could start by gambling from home on a phone but like at what point do you forget it just like you check it in the hallway of the facility you know or you're you're waiting on the plane to take off and like it's like gambling has become so easy because you can do it from your phone but that's also the danger of it if it becomes compulsive or addictive is like it's very hard to put away it's it's different than other addictions that you have to go out and go somewhere and buy uh it's just right it pops right up on your phone so it's the easiest time in the world to gamble it's the easiest time to get addicted to it and uh that's why i think for some of those players like they some of them know themselves in terms of like they're competitive people they're uh you know they when they go in on something they go all in on it that's just how some of them are wired that's how they made it to this level and for them it's just safer to say you know what i'm not even going to risk with that because really like for me the way to earn money is playing the sport and staying in it as long as i can i i think that's where more pl- uh, i i think that's where a lot of players are going to fall down on it but but we'll see because uh, there there could be more players that come out of this investigation we just know of you know we just know of one mostly because you know his isaiah's name leaked and then he put out a statement more or less saying it and he's you know some of the details we mentioned in those stories say he's he's doing it rampantly but for all we know this investigation is going to come out and say there's more players who are doing it on some level and so uh it's just really something that all the players have to kind of look inward on and kind to figure out the lines they have to draw because some of them some of them like not everyone's a calvin ridley you know who can sit out a year and then a team wants to trade for him and make him a number one wide receiver like some of these guys who live on the fringe or just even just average normal players fine players but like they're not the type that teams want to like continually take risks on or wait a year of not playing football on. So it is something they have to take seriously. Yeah. The reality is the same as it is with anything um, that some players have more of a, um, have a, have a longer leash than others because of how good they are. But the Ridley example is a good one just because about like the severity of what could happen because Calvin Ridley's great. And he said he had to miss a year. And he lost his spot on a team that, that I assume wanted to keep him, you know. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, it's it's uh, I, I we were talking about this yesterday as a as a beat group. And I, I wonder if the NFL is with these stories coming out. This is the what are we up to? Six, seven. Seven players in, uh, who've. It, this is we're talking NFL players, not Colts players. I want to be clear about that in terms of more players coming out and stuff like that. We don't know anything about any other Colts players. Um, uh, yeah, we're we're not reporting that or assuming that in any way. Uh, but the NFL at large, though, this is seven. This is seven players in a relatively short amount of time. I believe isn't there a report out somewhere that there's another Lions player being investigated? Yeah, I saw that. And Sports Illustrated had that they're just they're hinting at that there could be more players that, that, you know, get wrapped up in this across the league. Again, like we're not like you just said, not holds players specifically. Um, but if if this keeps happening, if they keep having to hand down suspensions, I think you we were talking about it. I think the most logical thing is that the NFL stops being so permissive and sort of cracks down on it, which. I mean, that's unfortunate. It's unfortunate if you have the discipline to not to just do it within the rules or do it away from the facility, um, that kind of thing. That would be unfortunate. Uh, but it's 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 it, I don't, it's it is difficult to talk about this when it's not something that you're 
you do very often. But um, yeah. just to your point about just to your point about like knowing yourself and what you can handle, what you can't handle. Uh, like I don't have a video game system in my house because I'm not disciplined enough to stop. Um, yeah. So, so like I've just never had one. I've never had one. Um, you know, and other people can. Other people can have them in there, and, and they 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 play like, you know, a couple hours a week or whatever, and they're fine. But I will absolutely get MLB the Show, and I'll absolutely do franchise mode, and I'll play every single game. And I know that's not how everybody does it, but that's how I used to do it, and that's how I would do it. So, um, yeah. I I even I had. I had a baseball game on my phone a couple of years ago and I had to delete it like 40 games into the season because I was wasting so much time. Um, yeah. I do understand that in terms of, but you kind of have to know yourself and know what you can and can't do. Um, it's, it's just unfortunate. I think, I think the other, yeah. the other piece of this, the other piece of this is just, Colts cornerback situation. Yeah. Well, well what this real quick, I just want to, yeah, just one thing I think we should address real quick on this is that I've seen a lot of fans kind of come back and point out sort of the hypocrisy of the NFL to promote gambling as much as they do. Gambling lines make money off of that side of the industry or that, that industry and then crack down on it. You know, same, same industry that, you know, they just moved or same league that just had a team moved to Vegas and, and is making a big deal of that. And, you know, is now cracking down so hard in a way that could cost players their careers. But you got to understand, though, that like this is kind of any line of work where like you're not allowed to do insider trading in a way that like earns you money. And you think about like, you know, I, yes, there's some stuff about like, you know, why can't they bet on MLB games from the team facility? They, they're just trying to draw lines somewhere. And there's there's some criticism for, you know, that, that I think is warranted about how they draft that policy. The idea is that like ultimately what they're trying to do is keep players from being able to bet on the league that they're in with knowledge that they have of the league that they're in. And there's a lot like if you could bet on the NFL, like just on a prop bet level, think of all the, all the things you can bet on, you know, first half bets and, and prop player prop bets and millions and millions of things that are out there. If you're a player on a team and you're there at practice every day and you're, you know, who's going to play and who's not going to play and what state they're in and, you have friends around the league, like there's a, that's what they're trying to prevent. That's like, that's, there's, there's legal ramifications to that, that are beyond, you know, potential legal ramifications to that, that are beyond the, uh, you know, just the NFL rules. That's why, like, you know, I reached out to the Indiana gaming commission and they're, they're aware of it. You know, they're, they're monitoring it. That doesn't mean anything's going to come of it, but like this, this can become bigger than just the NFL deciding whether they want players to gamble. It's, the league's trying to avoid legal issues that go beyond beyond this stuff too. So, I mean, that doesn't mean everyone's wrong about like how much the league promotes gambling. I mean, there, there there's room to criticize that for sure. The NFL will take advantage of any opportunity it can to make more money. Um, and it's yes, but criticized is not the most player friendly league on other levels. But with this specifically, I, I think it's pretty obvious to see why like you cannot can't be betting on the league you're in and uh, well ultimately that's kind of basic message and ultimately beyond just the insider info um it if you start betting on the league you're in or the team you play for uh 
the, the real danger is is people throwing games and the integrity of the league the the integrity of the league being like the the reason sports are so entertaining and it's the thing that gets the most money in contract rights for television fees and stuff like that is that you don't know what's going to happen you know and i know there's conspiracy theorists out there right now who are like it's scripted they they tell them what to do um but but the, that's that's the beauty of sports is you really don't know what's going to happen that's also that's also i mean part of that's i mentioned this reference this earlier that's that's why i don't gamble on sports is because my the way my brain works is i'm just thinking like uh you know there's there's all these different things that could could happen like i don't know how anybody bets on baseball because even the best pitchers in the league are going to lose like a third of their starts so if you're just betting if you're just betting betting on the pitchers um how do you know which day they're going to be fine uh the people who bet on like is a guy going to get a hit in a game it's wild to me yeah well, there's that's, a lot of them that are like that that's, that's wild like- I, I was sitting i was sitting behind a, a fan at a baseball game and he had a bet on whether or not one player was going to get a base hit and all i was thinking was like i, I just kept thinking like these guys go 0 for 3 or 0 for 2. Like, what if he walks three times and goes 0 for 1? Like, <laughs> there's just well, too many ways this can go wrong, but that's the way my brain works. Anyway, it, ultimately, the, the point I was trying to make at the beginning of this before I kind of rambled there was if the integrity of the league is compromised, then they lose all of they lose their entertainment value. Everything else becomes less valuable. Um, that's why there's that's why it's such a big deal for them. I I I get the the hypocrisy angle um, in terms of promoting betting and then not allowing them to do it, but that's kind of where I, it's kind of why I started where I did. Like, it's not like they said you can't bet on anything. They said you can't bet on things from the team because so I I don't fully understand that rule. I would need to ask somebody about that. Yeah. Um, I haven't talked to anybody who fully understands that rule yet. Um, but. And that's but, part of it is like this is all so but you new can, too. But you can bet on other things. There's a lot of different things you can bet on. Like I was just thinking about it. Like if you are, if you're a, a somebody who likes to, to bet on sports, like right now you could bet on, um, you can bet on the NBA finals, Major League Baseball, golf. Like you can bet on all that stuff in the same day, on a weekend. You know. And so I think that's part of it. I, this feels we, it feels weird that where you end up defending the NFL, but um, but yeah, if the if the if the if the competitive integrity of the league is is ruined, then then the NFL loses so much of its value. Yeah, and you're right. It's, I don't often want to like sit up here and defend the shield on this thing. I think it makes a, a license for all those reasons. There's just it's much bigger than the sport. It's legal. I'd I'd rather crack down the league for some of the dumb things that they that they hurt players on in other ways some sometimes as simple as like celebrations like there's a lot of fun that they take out of the game uh you know and make life not so fun on players but this this is one where it's in some ways too they're saving players from themselves like this it can be a vice and it can be a danger it can be fun too so it's just like there, there has to be limits to it and like that's why for most of us or a lot of us before gambling was was legal um you just would play fantasy sports it's sort of a version of that you know, that's like your own version of taking prop bets on players kind of in a season long format or week to week that way and trying to win. That's like I do a lot more of that. And that's why, like, I'm scared to 
move that into gambling and putting real money to it. It's like what's fun about fantasy sports is like, you know, you get super wrapped up into it. But at the end of the day, a lot of us, what you pay, like maybe twenty five dollars to enter a league. Like there's just not that much on the line, but you could take it certain levels within gambling on prop bets. That's why, like, there's so many options out there that it's feeding this business. But there's so many ways to then lose money. And Vegas is always going to win at the end of the day. So it's just something that kind of like it's, a, it's kind of a side tangent, just more why, like, I scared to ever gamble and like i just sensed it from some players yesterday where like even the rule part of it aside they just know in general like this there's more risks to doing this in the spot they're in and the personalities and the way that they're wired than maybe is worth it when at the end of the day players like they get paid a lot of money this is part of it like you'd follow some weird rules sometimes but you get paid a lot of money to do it and sometimes that's the life um now, moving on to the cornerback situation, the Colts addressed it in the draft. I would say they haven't really addressed the cornerback situation adequately outside of the draft at all. Uh, they, they obviously, they traded away Stephon Gilmore. He wanted to play for a contender. He's got traded to the Cowboys. The Brandon Faison, it's not surprising that Brandon Faison's not back. He did not play well, um, but it's still 500 snaps, 500 important snaps. Um, just given like you're looking at the suspensions that have, that have been handed down, I mean, Isaiah Rogers acknowledged his role in the gambling investigation. That's that's another piece that should be said. It's not like there's a question. Um, he he apologized and, and put his own statement out on Twitter. I mean, he didn't exactly admit to gambling, but he he came really close to it. Um, so if if he is going to miss significant time, which is the, the that's the the kind of suspensions that they've been given. Um, players who bet on the NFL have been handed indefinite suspensions just about every time. Um, but they already were at a spot where I felt like their cornerback depth was pretty, uh, so we're here. Like they're, they're just hanging on by a thin thread. They're really hoping a lot of things go right. I mean, I like Juju Brents. I like Darius Rush. Uh, I get all that. Um, they're still rookies. They're still rookies. You, you don't necessarily expect those guys to start. I, and I know there's been He's some not on the field right now. Um, there's been some fifth round picks and stuff that have have played really well. Tariq Woolen, that kind of thing. But they're rookies. It's it's hard to count on them. And now you lose a guy, the one other guy who's got extensive starting experience on the outside. Because uh, a lot of Dallas Flowers time. Some of Sorrell, I shouldn't say a lot. Some of Dallas Flowers' time last year came kind of in the slot. So uh, you lose the one other guy besides Kenny Moore who has who has significant starting experience. It they really need these rookies to be good. It, what you what you were referencing is Juju Brents has been out with the wrist injury that we knew about before that he got fixed uh, and should be fine for training camp. Darius Rush isn't playing either. Uh, at this point, it, n- none of that is expected to affect training camp, but they're they're thin at corner, especially in the experience department. Yes, and they were they were before this, but that but losing losing Rogers, like if they lose Rogers, if if what most people expect happens and they lose Rogers, that's then it, it really takes away the experience factor. Yeah, I mean, before this all came out, I was already thinking they needed to sign a veteran, even just to be 
Uh, you know, it could be like a Brandon Faison role. It could be less than that, an option if someone goes down. Uh, because they were betting on, you know, really, really betting on youth and upside taking a leap between, obviously, like Juju Brents. They think he, he could be a, you know, week one starter at cornerback based on just his length and his his maturity and his, you know, the level of football he came from in the Big 12. But Isaiah Rodgers was the other one that they were betting on, you know, in his fourth year in a contract year, kind of taking another step and being the top outside corner that they have who can, you know, who certainly had the speed and, and some experience enough to be able to play against top level receivers. And there were questions there even then, but now it's like, there's such a trickle down effect to losing your number one corner. If that's, you know, we have to see what the, what comes out of it with Isaiah, but if that's what happens, there's such a trickle down effect now because all of a sudden it could make Juju Brents the number one corner. And that's not what they were planning on coming into the year. So you can love Juju Brents potential. You can love his, like all this stuff I just laid out, but that's different when he has to go and be the guy going up against Devontae Adams or Cooper Cup or uh, Cooper's mostly in the slot, but you know, Justin Jefferson, there's a, there's a real trickle down effect to that kind of a thing. So like yesterday we went out there and saw like guys getting work where at that spot where Dallas Flowers and Daryl Baker who are two second-year players, undrafted players, who I believe combined for 170 snaps ever on defense. Uh, just 174, which were all Dallas Flowers last year. Mm-hmm. So, like, that's that's the risk here. You have guys that just have not, you know, we don't know how good of players they ultimately can be, but they have not ever seen this stuff. They haven't seen just the many ways that, that NFL receivers and NFL quarterbacks, frankly, can fool those kind of players and mess with them and take advantage of them. And so I think that they're, I I think the Colts should, if, if they're in a situation where they're without Isaiah for a while, I think they need to go sign somebody. I don't know that they will, uh, but I think they should because ultimately like at some point, it's just, you can love the potential of Darius rush or Jalen Jones, you know, but if you're putting them out there, too early if you're you know you could love the like juju too if you're putting him as a number one cornerback spot like you can hurt the development of them at a position that's very confidence-based and not only that but it, it just gets harder for there's a lot of trickle-down effects across the defense for example juju or uh, julian blackman's in a new position at strong safety he's there because he's you know he's the most vocal leader they have he's trying to step into that rodney mcleod role he's in a contract year i think he's got a good opportunity if he really fits well that spot to be an extension candidate and to be a leader of this defense. It's hard to evaluate that kind of guy in a contract year if the players he's leading around him are almost all rookies, if they're guys who can't or are unable to do the things he's telling them to do. It just, you know, and then and then you think about a guy like DeForest Buckner who came back, you know, did not request a trade like Stephon Gilmore because he believed this team still has a shot. He believed in things like you know, Shaquille Leonard coming back from injury and, and Kenny Moore bouncing back. And But at some point, you know, you, you waste some of the stuff you have on the defensive line. Uh, you know, if you can't cover people, you waste the opportunity to evaluate what he pay and Dio Dengbo and what their long-term trajectory is. So there, there's just so many things here where, like, I, I feel like we very much talk about teams in terms of, like, are they going for it? Are they rebuilding? And this team is not, like, I, I'm not suggesting they're going to go out and find their version of Stephon Gilmore this year and go for a Super Bowl. But I do think you need something out there that that can be playable enough to evaluate all these other pieces 
put together a competent defense. Not only that, but have guys who can teach the other corners. Because right now, I don't know who these young corners are supposed to learn from to be outside cornerbacks. You know, like Kenny Moore is very helpful in nickel, and he, he will absolutely help them out. But as far as like modeling your game after someone doing the thing you're trying to become, that's where Stephon Gilmore was very helpful last year. I think they need somebody like that. And there's a few options out there uh, that we'll get into once, you know, once anything comes down with, with Isaiah. But I think they need a veteran just to almost kind of save the rookies from themselves. Um, this is this is something that, that's come up with Ballard time and time again, too, is the, the tendency to pick us. It's, 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 he's doing it with the offensive line this year, too, where. He, he just he's counting on draft picks he, or he counts on guys who are in their second year um, and, and they haven't really been starters before. And they and then it, it blows up in his face. And it hap- it's happened with defensive line before in 21. It's happened with wide receiver like three times. Um, it happened with the offensive line last season. This this has been a. It happened with cornerback in uh, 2019, where they re-signed Pierre Desir and kind of went with what they had in a draft pick in Rocky Scene. And I mean, just it, he's done this before, and you it, it tends to blow up in their face. And then now this year's a little bit different because in previous years they were trying to contend for the playoffs. I'm not entirely convinced that that's what's going on this year. That they're not just seeing what they have in in Anthony Richardson and some of these young guys. But this this is something that's been a a consistent thing about his general managership is is betting too much. I don't like using betting. I wish I didn't use that verb. Um, but uh, is is yeah, counting too much on either. guys? Counting counting too much on guys who aren't uh, aren't proven. And sometimes sometimes it works out. Sometimes you get uh, these great stories, like Zaire Franklin last season. That, that had more to do with Shaq Leonard's injury. But, you know, sometimes you get a guy steps forward or a draft pick Roddy steps forward Thomas. and maybe, didn't ex- maybe people didn't expect. Uh, sometimes it blows up in his face. And it feels like that with cornerback. And it kind of feels like that with cornerback, no matter who they sign at this point. Because, like, give me the give me the free agent options. What's, 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 who's available? So there's Marcus Peters, uh, Eli Apple. Uh, yeah, I did a list of this. Fabian Moreau, uh, Casey Hayward, and another one in there. But yeah, I'd say like the top two, like the the two that would be legitimate, like you got to really pay up for. I think would be Marcus Peters and Eli Apple because those guys were in number one cornerback spots as recently as last year, and they're both uh, Peters is 30 and Eli Apple's 27. So that would be like going out to get a guy who's maybe not quite like a lockdown number one, but can be a number one or has been that recently. I wouldn't put Eli Apple in that category. Um, I mean, Peters, again, though, Peters, like, is a, Peters is a gambler, but oh, be careful. Dang it. This is killing me. <laughs> um, Peters, Peters, Peters is a guy. Peters is a guy who goes for big plays. We'll say it that way. And Eli is Eli Apple is too. And that's I hear you. I mean, I'm not saying Eli Apple will come in here and beat Stephon Gilmore by any means, but just 
there aren't guys. The, the league doesn't have guys growing on trees who've played number the number one quarterback role in the AFC Championship game in the Super Bowl, and those two guys have. So that's kind of why they stuck out to me. I mean, I, I got I like a guy like Faber Moreau. Uh, you know, I think he's just incredibly underrated. Played really well for the Giants last year when you look into the numbers. Um, you know, I don't think he would necessarily break the bank. Um, yeah, I was trying to look up Apple's coverage stats and sports. I was looking at him the other day. He actually, he, he holds teams under like right around 50% completion or less, which is a really good number, but he gives up big plays. Like he's, <laughs> I'm avoiding doing the same thing, avoiding the, the phrase, but he, he takes risks in coverage and it's like one of those things where it works with most plays, but then when it doesn't work, it, it could be very bad. Yeah. But let's uh, see who else. I had I had William Jackson the third. He's another guy who's been, you know, first round pick who's the number one corner or signed to be signed for forty million in Houston, but he's thirty and he's coming off. He had a back injury last year, but he says he's healthy. And then Anthony Brown was the other one who's with the Cowboys. Uh that's that's the guy that like that one would be intriguing to me because it comes right from the same style of defense that Dan Quinn runs there and really had a really nice year last year, former Purdue player. So, uh, so there's, there's, he's 29. So there's some options that are like, they're not Stephon Gilmore, but you know, there's a guy like, I think if you sign Anthony Brown, Fabian Morell, these guys who are kind of in their late twenties who've started for multiple years, it gives you some, it gives you a baseline of competence to start there and, they're still going to like the thing about cornerback is that like if you want to get experience for young players or if there's a young player who just does kind of what Rodney Thomas did last year, which is just he's way better, way more ready and capable as a rookie than you ever knew when you drafted him. There's places to play guys in the secondary like they'll, they'll go and you know, they'll go and dive sometimes they'll split reps. Last year, they split reps between uh, Brandon Faison, Isaiah Rogers. They could do that with Juju Brents and, you know, Darius Rush if he rises to that level. Um, and then there's injuries that are going to happen, too, that will allow some of these guys to get on the field. So I, I don't like this is where I just think they should give themselves the kind of a fallback to where like like my like what you brought with Ballard. My issue with him looking back on the offensive line was not just the way that he constructed last year. Just there was there's no plan B to it. If Danny Pinter didn't work at right guard and if uh, if. Uh, why am I forgetting their left tackles name last year? Matt Pryor. Yes, Matt Pryor. If he didn't work at left tackle early in the season while Bernard Ryman was still learning, there were no options. There were no pivot points to that, really. Not good ones. That's why they kept a new, they would roll out a new combination each week. They moved Braden Smith to right guard for one week and then back out to right tackle. Like You just don't want to get in that spot where you're scrambling. Like These names out there that I just mentioned, they're, they can sign them right now. If we get into like week three, though, that's not going to be the case anymore. So that's where I would just go ahead and do it. The Colts have about 20, see 23 million available in cap space according to over the cap. So, you know, some of these guys, you know, like Spud track says like, you know, the Marcus Peters would cost like 10 million a year. Eli Apple, maybe like no 11, way. 12 million. So no way. Not just playing this summer. No way. There's just no way. Yeah, for those guys, I agree with you. But take a guy like if they could sign like 
Anthony Brown for six no, I, million. I mean, I mean, there's no way they're going to get that at this point. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, probably not. Those are whatever they those. whatever they evaluated that up. There's just there's just no way. They they're it's it's June eighth. Yeah. If they were if they were ten plus million dollar guys, they'd be signed. Right. Well, I guess the better example would be Rocky Sin, who I just mentioned. He got signed right after the draft by the Ravens, one year, six million. That's yeah. the kind of deal I think they can go out and make. Maybe I think that's I think Peters and Apple are out there because they want more money than that. But I bet you could get a guy like Anthony Brown or Fabian Moreau, or certainly Casey Hayward if they think he still has enough left, and get one of those guys to come in here. Like Casey Hayward's an interesting option because he played for Gus Bradley in two different spots. Chargers and Raiders. Now he's 33, and he's more built to. He's been an inside-outside guy, but at this stage of his career, he's probably more of an inside guy. So maybe that's not quite what they're looking for. But even that, though, like a, a veteran in the room, I think is very, very valuable. Like there's so much that guys have learned in the past few years from Xavier Rhodes and and Stephon Gilmore just by being in the room with them. Uh, that I think could be useful to guys who are. Really, still making big transitions. Guys like guy like Darius Rush, I, like there's a lot of talent there, but he's only played that position for a couple of years. This is like not that far off of what Bernard Ryman was going through, you know, just a year ago. Of, of you know, obviously different. It's not, you know, not a player who you know grew up in Austria, but like Darius Rush was a wide receiver up until just a couple of years ago, and has played cornerback, but he's not. You know, he's scratching the surface of what he can be. And like we mentioned, they're not out there right now. They're not healthy enough to be on the field in these moments where you could have a sense for what they're quite capable of doing. So I think they got to do something. Question is, will they? I mean, we've said it. Uh, we've said it a lot of times. I know fans have said it a lot of times at different positions. It's, you know, this is obvious. Yeah, uh, I mean that they need to fill that they need to fill a spot and they haven't done it before. So the question is, will yeah. they? Yeah, and it it depends too on where they fall down on this because they could look at it and say, you know what, this is an opportunity to just give so many reps to the young players and make it about that. I I just think it's risky because it's like you want to put them out there in a position where they can actually grow and not lose their confidence and or or be so out of position that. It, it isn't building on the things you want them to build on. You'd also like to set up a trajectory for them. So will they? I mean, I, I'm going to cross out guys like uh, Eli Apple and Marcus Peters. Just like I, I, that, that seems too rich for what they would want to do. But I do think, though, with those other guys, what is unique about this specific, this spot right now is this may be their one opportunity across the league to be a number one corner on the outside. Like the, that's the opportunity that potentially, uh, you know, the, the one for those guys, a bright spot out of this situation would be they could step in and be that guy. And maybe that's what some of them want. Maybe that's what like guys like Anthony Brown, Fabian Moreau, these guys I think are kind of underrated. They may believe that that's that's what they want to go out there and do and prove. And if you could and if you can do that for a year somewhere, if they sign a one year deal here, but they have a really nice year, it's going to set them up to earn even more. So. I think you could get guys to sign for not a crazy amount of money because what's really out there for them is kind of the opportunity, the film they can put out there and they say films your resume. So that's what I think they should do is, is find some guys willing to bet on himself as a number one corner and give him the opportunity here.
I think I think the larger reality is it's not going to be a lot of money because they're still available on June 8th. And that too. Like, I hate I hate to be I hate to be a, a downer like that, but if if you're still available on June 8th, that means you don't have anything close to the market you wanted. So that's exact that's what it means. Like, and so then then I think there's less excuse to not sign them then. Right. You know, like they've got 23 million dollars available. And again, I understand it's not, they're not going for the Super Bowl this year, but this is such a premium position. And if you get a bet for one year who plays pretty good for that one year, and then next year you can set up Darius Rush or Jalen Jones to be that guy because they learned for a year and had a limited role and then built on it, I think that can really help. Um, uh, I mean, you think about a guy yeah, like, I, I, just sorry. as an example, a guy like Z- Zaire Franklin turned out having a great year last year and his. I think it was, his, was that his fifth year in the league? But, like, mm-hmm. it may have been very different his first or second year if you just threw that guy out there. Like, he got to kind of build up. You got to – what they've done here very well over the years is give a guy a role in special teams, have him master that, kind of develop physically, develop a little bit in practice at his other position, and then be ready to go out there. A guy like Kenny Moore, actually, is probably the best example of this, is that they had to – he had to learn how good he was as a cornerback, that he could actually play that position. They started him on special teams and he was a backup and then he was, you know, part-time starter. And then he was a full, like they got to kind of grow this over time. There's some guys who can step in. They hope for Juju Brunson. He's that type of guy that like week one, put him out there and he can go. But that that's not why they were drafting Darius Rush and Jalen Jones is to do that. I don't think. Um, Another guy who started on special teams and worked his way into a cornerback role that surprised them was, Isaiah Rogers, uh, yeah. which is where we That's started true. this podcast. It's it's an unfortunate situation um, with the culture in. Like like I said, I I think I I agree. I think you need to add. I, they needed to add a veteran corner before this. Let's just be honest. Um, even with all the draft picks, but now the need is feels critical again, and. I, I just wonder. I just wonder if if it's going to happen. If there's going to be the other thing is that with with some of the guys you mentioned, they'll probably still be out there. I don't think they necessarily have to do it right now. Uh, the off season's almost over anyway. And I, I don't know if if there was a ton of competition for these guys' services, they'd be off the they'd be off the, the market. So I, I don't think you necessarily have to make the signing immediately uh, if you don't want to. But they've got to have a little bit more experience in that room. Yeah, it's just in in that's like normally Chris Ballard has prioritized that, you know, with Stefan Gilmore. I don't know if that was in, how intentional that was, but, you know, Stefan Gilmore, Xavier Rhodes, there's always been that like really well-traveled veteran outside cornerback. And just the two years that I've been here, teammates of that player rave about how much he's taught them. You know, just these guys who are not playing. Isaiah has said that about Xavier Rose and, and Rocky Sin has said that. And then guys last year were saying that about stuff about Gilmore, what they learned just by being in the room with him and watching him guy prepare on a week to week basis and break down the matchups. I think there's a lot of value there for to give them a better ch- chance at hitting on those day three draft picks they just made. But you know, we'll see if they we'll see if they see it that way. Um there is one more week of Colts off-season workouts. Podcast will probably take a break after next week. I shouldn't say probably. The podcast will take a break after next week. Um, 
but there's one more week of pulse workouts. It's the mandatory mini camp. We'll get three straight days to watch practice. Uh, from what we've seen in OTA so far, I don't know if this can be expansive uh, in terms of lots of reps, that kind of thing. Um, but and, and I don't know how much news is necessarily going to come out of it. Of course, I said that last week, and then you have the Isaiah Rogers gambling story. So uh, one more week before the break, uh, we'll, we'll probably do another podcast, probably after the three days, don't you think? Um, we'll probably do the, uh, one more podcast after, after the, the, and, and then after the mini camp and then, and then we'll take a break. Uh, the Colts will be on a break. We'll be on a break, um, until training camp in, in July, but for the Colts cover two podcast, I'm Joel A. Erickson. This has been Nate Atkins and keep everything looking at Indy star for whatever we've got coming out with Colts.